0: Lasting Media. This episode of Jonah and the Whale is brought to you by ShopKado.com, which is a female-owned corporate and personal gift company. I'm excited to tell you that Jonah and the Whale listeners get 10% off. Just use the promo code Jonah. So express your appreciation and enhance your brand through curated gifts with custom messaging. Be a gift hero at ShopCadeau.com, promo code Jonah. That's S-H-O-P-C-A-D-E-A-U-X.com. John Bellatieri was 26 years old when he was murdered.
1: He's, He's a great person. And whoever did this is a son of a bitch.
0: I do know that John did get into angel dust and I do believe that this was a drug related murder. My mother is ill, and I would love for her to have some answers before she passes. Real families, real stories. From Lasting Media, I'm Jason B. Jones, and this is Season 2 of Knock Knock, The Unsolved Murder of John Belletieri. Available now wherever you listen to podcasts. Lasty Media Group presents Jonah and the Whale, a unique journey of triumph through tragedy. Hi, it's Josh Skinner, and welcome to Season 2. I love Instagram, and one of my favorite people to follow is named Tiffany Myers. Whether Tiffany is sharing her battle with Lyme disease or the joys of motherhood, her online presence is full of encouragement and transparency. Today, Tiffany opens up about the sudden and tragic death of her father and how she was able to start the healing process. Her strength and unwavering faith will inspire you. So let's dive in together for today's underwater moment. Hi, it's Josh Skinner, and welcome to a very special episode in Santa Barbara of Jonah and the Well with Tiffany Myers. Hey, Tiffany.
1: Hi. Thank you so much <laughs> for
0: being on the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I love our friendship. You're kind of like my uh, half-sister. Of course. For those that uh, don't know, I've known Tiffany for several years. I used to work for her sister, Candy Johnson. I met uh, Candy through working on a TV show called Glam Masters for a lifetime, and Tiffany was praying for the perfect assistant who kind of knew how to produce a little bit. Yes, and uh, somehow I popped up, and, and I want to say are. thank you because your prayers actually helped me, I, and I didn't even know who you were. So, yeah. and
1: I didn't know who you were either. But then, like you came in flesh and blood. I'm Like there he is. That's him.
0: <laughs> and um, if you're familiar with Candy Johnson and of course Tiffany Myers, uh, and you follow them on Instagram, you can just see that they are their positivity is contagious. So, first of all, I'm looking at a beautiful girl with a beautiful smile right oh, now, so sweet, and Josh. we're doing a very serious interview. So, thank you for already. <laughs> bear staring me girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I love you, that. you know, you kind of come from a family that's kind of been influential other than your sister. Tell me about your grandma, Barbara Johnson, which by the way, I have to tell you, my mom has read all of the books, what? especially the one on heartache about Aww. the sun. So, um, cause Aww. our stories are a little parallel. So yeah. tell me about your grandma, Barbara Johnson.
1: So she was amazing. And I think she was like the forerunner of just having a positive outlook, Um, she had this incredible life. It was wrought with hardship, really, though. She had four boys. One was killed in Vietnam. One was killed um, by drunk driving. And one um, decided to leave the family because he was gay and he didn't identify with the family anymore. Um, So it was a lot of different ways of loss. And she writes about those things with such perspective and humor that it encourages, I think, other parents to go through those things because you kind of can't resolve something like a loss of a child, right? Like you can't be like, well, here's the magic pill and you're over it. But she, I think, gave a path and tools and a way out to manage that. And I think that is what is the crux of helping another human through Such devastating loss.
0: She was a best-selling author. Yes. Do you have any favorite books of hers?
1: Oh, my gosh. I love, um, what is it? She has great titles, and I've got all of her books, and I've read them all, but Splashes of Joy in the cesspools of Life.
0: Oh, my goodness. (laughs) 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 That's so true.
1: So, she had this great sense of humor and quick wit and you see that in her writing and the titles of her books and i think it was really funny a lot of the um, publishers she had would fight her on things she wanted to call her books because i mean who they're like how's this book gonna sell splashes of joy in the cesspools of life and she's like that's the name you know (laughs) she stuck to it so i love that about her um and she's no longer with us here um she's my happy deposit in heaven. Um, so I really cherish all the things that she wrote because it's my link to her and her perspective. And it's helped me through my own life struggles, which is like, I don't think she ever knew that her granddaughter would read it and be helped by it.
0: Is there a specific story or a phrase or something that really encourages you?
1: Um, that she wrote? Yeah. That's a good question. There's so many things that she has said. Um, I mean, one of her other titles of her books is Stick a Geranium in Your Hat and Be Happy. <laughs> <laughs> and I just love like how positive she is. Um, so yeah, I can't think of anything actually right now, but there's so many in there.
0: My mom's a huge fan.
1: Oh, yeah. I love that.
0: What was it like when you read uh, the book about her dealing with her son coming out?
1: Well, it was heartbreaking in a way because it was also my uncle who... He kind of came in and out of our life as he saw fit. And I loved him because he was my uncle, but I didn't get very much um, time with him or much of a relationship because he was, you know, really limited in his own capacity. He just, whatever his struggles were, he couldn't really put that much energy forth to the family relationships. So I missed him in that regard. But I think it was a little bit of a different time than back then, you know— and maybe in the Christian community, it wasn't as accepted as it is now that you still love that person and want them part of your life. And that's kind of her message. She said, you know, like the porch light's always on for you because he walked away and she said, I always love you no matter what. I'm here and you can come back. So I think continuing to want to put forth that love, even when that person wasn't to, like loving toward her is like what only a mom can do. You know, you're not ready to be here, but I'm going to remain here, and I'm going to remain loving, and I'm going to stay here loving you. And I think that is what every parent needs to do with their child, no matter what they go through. It's, like, critical, that love. Unconditional. Unconditional.
0: You know, you and I uh, met an extraordinary mom named Trish. Yes. And I was wondering if we could just talk about her and honor her for a quick second with our listening audience. Yes. Well, why don't you tell us about Trish and Rudy, and then we'll go from there.
1: Oh, so, my beautiful friend, Trish, um, I met her a few years ago, or a lot of years, I don't know, I can't remember right now, my mind's a little muddle. And anyway, <laughs> she has this little boy, she had four kids, and this little one, Rudy, he was born with heart defects. So severe that the doctors from the get-go said he's going to live a few hours. He's going to f- live a few days, a few weeks. I mean, they just gave him nothing, you know, life expectancy. And he ha- he was just in the NICU. He was in the children's hospital forever. I mean, he'd just been his life surgery after surgery and um, just on prayer chain after prayer chain, just praying this little boy to stay and remain. And he was amazing. And I got to know them through... My husband started working with um, her husband, Rolf, who's an incredible man, and Rudy was on oxygen, supplemental oxygen, and that's what my husband's um, company does, and so we were able to get him an oxygen concentrator so he had more mobility, and so he wasn't tied to this big machine with, like, you know, cords, so he could go and do and play and run and everything, and so we were blessed to be a blessing, and... Then I got to know Trish as a friend, and then, let's see, I think it was three summers ago now, they were taking a family trip, and...
0: Because he loved cars.
1: He loved cars. And
0: Route 66 is a huge thing of cars at Disney. Yes,
1: and that's what they were doing. They were taking this trip, and um, he had went into cardiac arrest and died um, very unexpectedly, and it was just so devastating. I mean... We all know that we have a certain amount of time on earth, right? No one lives forever, right? We all know that. But to lose a child so suddenly like that, and he had been doing so well, it was just um, heartbreaking, shattering. And then I think it was a couple months after that, Trish started having some really strange symptoms, and she went to the doctor and was diagnosed with ALS. And I wasn't very familiar with that disease um, at the time. And as it started to progress, I started to research it. And, I mean, what an absolutely horrible disease. And um, she passed away, I think it was, gosh. October. October, Yeah, yeah, last year. And it went so quickly. And she just lost so much of her mobility. And then, like, when her speech Left and she couldn't communicate. I mean, it was just such a devastating disease. So it's been really, really difficult for their family because Rolf is still there and they have an oldest son, Max, who's in the army and they've got a college age son. No, Wilson's in the army, Max is in college, and then they have Olivia and she's a senior in high school. So, I mean, just such devastation. I don't know.
0: But a few weeks before she passed, she got to see Olivia, right? Yes,
1: yes. And she got to see Olivia being crowned homecoming queen, and it was amazing, and she had communicated that she just wanted to live long enough to see her graduate from high school, and that didn't happen, but her other shorter prayer was that she would live to see her up on stage for homecoming, and she made it. To that date, and then I think the week after passed.
0: How do we heal from that?
1: Oh, Josh. You know, because it's she was like
0: the nicest person.
1: I know. And to know her was to love her. Like she was so instantly interested in you as a human and spent the time.
0: And we gave could- her a makeover, by the way. We, <laughs> we did. Yes. We
1: gave her Can- a candy,
0: makeover. candy, Tiffany, and I, and a uh, Matilde who works with Beyonce and all these famous people. We gave her hair and makeup yes. and she, her and her daughter looked beautiful. It yeah. was such a fun surprise.
1: And she loved that day. And she loved everybody who was there working, you and Matilde and the video guys. Everyone was so sweet. She just loved it. And she looked gorgeous. And I love that because we have these beautiful pictures of her and Rolf and Olivia because the boys weren't there, um, but things that they can hold on to and video and everything else. So You know, those become really important once that person is not here anymore. I mean, you just want to hold on to everything, right?
0: Yeah. Thank you for uh, letting us share our journey with Trish. I think it's an important story. ALS is a horrible disease.
1: Yeah. And there's just literally no cure or she did experimental therapies and things like that. But that's all there is right now. I mean, nothing concrete, you know.
0: You know, the theme of our show is underwater moments, just kind of like what they've been going through. Like what's larger than you in yes. life that takes you under or you whole? I was yes. wondering, although we've talked about someone else's journey, let's talk about you. What's your underwater moment?
1: I mean, not to continue in the same path, but
0: I'm going that. to.
1: I'm going to. <laughs> There's strength. So it was when my dad, um, he died suddenly in an accident. And that was really, really hard. I don't, not to lessen anyone who's had someone who was sick and then they lose them, but the sudden one, it came with like quite a shock that I thought, I mean, he was supposed to pick up Candy from the airport. They were down here visiting. I just had had Audrey and my mom and sister had to fly back home and so he was going to pick them up at the airport and they were on their way to the airport to fly home and they got a call saying, you know, Barney Johnson, you know, or are you the nearest of kin and they turned around came back and i was like why are you guys back and i was like you just want to see the baby some more and my sister was like just she just looked like terrible like just been crying and i was like are you okay and then she told me and it was just like a roller coaster of emotions like just you know disbelief and a lot of anger like what happened why didn't anyone help him and, and you know and you have all these what happened emotions he was Helping um, at somebody's house, like he was kind of doing some, I think, like handyman kind of work or something, helping someone, and he was taking curtains down, and somehow he was like on a ladder. This is what the woman described to. He was at her house helping. The drill went through the window, and his arm went through. And there's a major vein. I can't remember what it's called. Major vein through your arm, and it cut through that vein, and then he was like, oh, you need to call, you know, there's a lot of blood, you need to call an ambulance. And so there was not a working phone in the house or something, so he did go across the street and find a phone and call. And then an ambulance showed up, but they had also decided, like, he should, like, go in a helicopter, too. Someone else had made his decision, like, he should need a helicopter to the um, emergency room. And for some reason, somebody made the choice that he wouldn't go in the helicopter. They would take him instead not to the main hospital. They would take him to like kind of an urgent care place. Oh, And by that time he had lost almost the entire amount of like what's in the human body. What is it? Six? Like um, A lot of blood. I don't know how much it is in your body. And so that decision basically ended his ability to recover from something that I don't want to say that he shouldn't have like died from because I don't know, but, You know, there was some anger there, like, well, why didn't he go on the helicopter and get to the hospital? You know, why? who made these decisions? And But at that point, what is it? I mean, I can get him back, no matter how angry I am, someone who made a decision. I mean...
0: How do you get through that? How do you not stay angry?
1: I just came to that realization that, like, even if I found the person who made that decision, like, what am I going to do? It's not going to bring my dad back. I'm not going to get him back by, you know being angry at some person who made that decision. So I kind of had to come to terms with that and be like, okay, I had to make peace with it and say, okay, I'm not going to be angry because you can't carry around anger and be well. You just can't. It's you, toxic. It's toxic. And it manifests in disease. I mean, they've shown that like scientifically. So I had a lot of reasons to also let it go and be like, you know what? And it's done. It's, It can't be undone, you know. And my grandma, she used to say, you know, you can't unscramble the eggs, so make an omelet, you know. Oh, that's wonderful. (laughs) So I kind of took her advice a little bit and was like, okay, this is done and I have to move forward. How do I best move forward from this, you know. And and there's a lot of stages with grief like that, it's, it's very difficult, and sometimes it just comes in waves. And like I remember one time, I was in the grocery store, and I was shopping, and all of a sudden, um, my dad used to love like that classic rock, like Toobie Brothers and like um Creedence Clearwater, and like one of those songs came on, and gosh, I just started falling in the aisle. I couldn't stop. I was just tears, and there, people were passing me by, and I'm just shopping and being like, stop, pull it together, pull it together, pull it together, you know, and you're trying to like stuff it back in and I just couldn't I was like, oh my gosh just sat there and cried in the grocery store and, and then another time I was at Costco and I was waiting in line to get some prescription things and there was this guy and he looked so much like my dad Josh I couldn't stop looking at him I was just staring at him I almost wanted to like look hard enough to find my dad there like if I could look far hard enough he is gonna be right there and I wanted to be like, can you just give me a hug <laughs> It's so weird But you know it's funny You can find that familiar spirit In other people Mm -hmm. And you can sense that And you're like oh my gosh They're familiar in that way And you want to like be close to that person Even though you have no idea who they are
0: Do you think think maybe it's kind of like a God wink Of like hey I'm here with you
1: Yeah maybe I mean I think that guy was probably weirded out Why I kept staring at him (laughs) But you know I don't know yeah.
0: How did you strange. how do you get through it? I mean, it's still fresh. How many years has it been? Well,
1: it's been oh, let's see, Audrey is gonna be eight. So it's been almost eight years. Oh. I'm getting through grief. Getting through grief is like a process, right? And you just grieve and let go and then I really feel like it's important not to stay in that place.
0: Whoa, well, we gotta back up. How do you let go if our listeners are going through that? Let's walk you through, because I kind of understand, but I, I, you know, it's hard.
1: It's really hard. Yeah, I mean, it's you... different for everybody. But I think making peace with it, and a huge part of it, is my faith.
0: Tell me about your faith.
1: It's the anchor of my entire existence as a human. And without that, I wouldn't even be able to sit here today, smile, laugh, or be anything of use to anyone. I truly believe that. So with that perspective, and I know my dad had faith in God, and I believe that he's in heaven. And I believe that I am going to see him again, and we're going to be reunited. And he's not going to be hurt, sick, or anything. I'm not going to be hurt, Lyme disease, nothing, you know, perfectly well, and as we, um, you know, are perfected there. And so that is my hope. And so I know that I had to say goodbye here, but it's not forever. And when you know that, you know it's not forever, you can get through it. You go, I can see that. I'm going to see that person again.
0: How were you strong for happened. your sister and your mom? Or was it just like a gr Or was it just everyone took turns being strong?
1: You know, everyone took turns being strong, Josh. You nailed it. Because my mom was strong and she gave us a lot of perspective on things. My sister is really strong. Um, she's naturally like a strong, I don't know, like emotionally um she's she's very much like my dad actually and he was very strong physically emotionally mentally they're just strong people so i think we all kind of took turns crying and you know processing it and when one was weak the other was strong really it was like a a yin yang thing i don't know what it was but it really balanced out and my mom her faith i think paved the way for candy and I to process this in a very healthy way. How so? She is so stable in her faith and assured that my dad was in heaven, that he was healed, that he was safe. And she had an incredible experience of having a vision of him. After we um, kind of spread his ashes, she just had this vision. She was praying and had this vision of him, healthy, well, in heaven. And he said, it's okay, Shannon. It's okay. I'm okay. And just her sharing that gave me such comfort. And knowing that he's safe and he's okay. And that's what you want, right? When you love someone, you want to know, are you okay? You'll do anything to know you're okay. And you're safe. And I just count him as my, my deposit in heaven. I know he's with his mom. He's with my grandmother, you know. And... You um, you kind of go from there. You do.
0: There's a lot of people that listen to our show because of our subject matters, kind of heartache
1: yeah. themed. You're not afraid of it, Josh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: can't, can't, well, you know, uh, the last two years I lost 14 people in my life.
1: That is For, an astonishing amount of people. Four
0: by suicide.
1: That's too many. Yeah, it's too many. So there's a lot of guilt that comes with that because you feel like. I could have been there. I should have done more. And you don't know.
0: Yeah, you you think about the last Snapchat message or the last ridiculous text message and you have no idea that 48 hours they're gone. You didn't know how
1: they were suffering. You know, a lot of people don't share that part. And you're like, if I would have known, I could have done something.
0: What's your biggest uh, takeaway from this journey of grief that you could uh, bestow upon our listeners who may be going through the same thing?
1: (sighs) Well, grief is so, so hard, and it, feel, it puts you in such a desperate place. Like, you want to feel like you can find that person. Like, if you look hard enough, you'll find them. And coming to grips with that mean like, okay, they're not here, and how do I heal? How do I heal best? How would they want me to go forward and live? And my dad was a huge proponent, and he always said, make today better than yesterday, And he was always um, a really positive person, like, you know, some bads happen, and he would say things like, um, you don't have problems, you have challenges. Ooh. And he would frame things in ways that would just cause it to crystallize, and then you saw the way out easier. And so I think about the things he would say and do, and he was a huge jokester too, and he had a good time, and um, he was always looking for something fun. So... He had um, a pretty light spirit that way too. So he was, um, I could kind of imagine what he would say about certain situations. And of course, I still wish I could call him and talk to him and I haven't deleted him out of my phone. Um,
0: It's funny that you say that because I can't with all my friends, my family, can't delete it. And I'm scared to call it because I don't want to know who answers now. Yeah. I don't delete them. And I wondered, and I wonder this often, like, is it healthy to keep that? Or do you unfollow them? Like, yeah. you know, like, do you, yeah. you know, I did a TV show with my friend, Sam, and we shot five episodes, but before it aired, he jumped off the Pasadena Bridge.
1: Oh my And we lost, you know, I lost
0: my friend. I lost the TV show. I lost, you know, it's, it was Josh. heartbreaking, but it's like, do you unfollow your friend? Like,
1: oh. because there's
0: no, you know, but you don't want to keep going back as this yeah. time capsule. Yeah. I have not unfollowed any, anyone who's passed. But I I wonder, thank you for mentioning that, that you still have them in your phone, because that's a struggle I've had. Like, is that healthy? Do you think it's healthy? Yeah.
1: That's a good question. I don't know. I accidentally did, like, a pocket dial one time to my dad's phone number, and it was still his voicemail, and it just ripped my heart out, just hearing his voicemail, you know, and it. Like his answering on there, I was like, "Oh shoot!" And then I was like, "Maybe I delete this because I can't do this again." I'm one of those people that like it's really hard for me to like see any videos he's in still or like hear his voice on stuff. It it's too much of like a big trigger. I'm better not seeing that for some reason. I might that might sound like harsh or something. But I don't know, maybe I'll get to a point where I'm like, okay seeing that and it's okay. I mean, I can look at pictures and stuff because it's not as interactive, but if I hear his voice and like see him talking on a video, that's it's I don't know. It's very difficult for me. So I don't
0: know. It sounds like it happened so fast, like in a period of like so an hour. Fast.
1: It was so fast, Josh. And we had no idea what was happening, and there wasn't anything to be done at that point, and you feel so helpless. But I'm sure Other people have had the same kind of loss and the same grief. And it's just, it takes, I think time does heal. But the void that person leaves in your life does not, like, I don't know, fill in.
0: Yeah, because time doesn't necessarily change it. It just gives you a different perspective, unfortunately. Or or fortunately, I don't, you
1: know. And there's, like, life moments that I just deeply miss him. Like, I know he would enjoy my children and Candy's children and seeing how they are. And Candy's son, Blake, um, is very much like my dad in so many ways. And he would just get a kick out of that. And I know he would just love seeing all of his grandkids. I mean, he loved them all. I mean, he was especially close to Candy's oldest son, Jordan. And, you know, he, I think he was kind of the son he never had. I mean, he loved Candy Night, and, and he was such an amazing dad. He was, you know— tell us all the time how much he loved us and how beautiful we were and how important we were to him. And I think probably one of the things that I mourn the most is just having someone who loved me so
0: much. But do you think it it goes away? I feel like it just stays. It should just stay because nothing changes.
1: Yeah, I hope it stays.
0: It has to stay because love only comes from God and fear is the removal of love.
1: Yeah. Maybe I just miss his voice saying it. I know. I know. Tough questions, Josh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't think You've I've had an interview. Got where, you, got <laughs> <me>. <laughs> you got me. You got me. Where are you today in the healing?
1: Um, I think I'm in a pretty good place. You know, I don't like spend a lot of time grieving that. Just like those moments I was seeing. You know, I wish he was here to see like the girls do like their little ballet recital or at Christmas, you know, with all the kids that are here opening presents. And I just know he would, he would love that. So those parts I miss.
0: I wonder if they're really. If they have the opportunity to look down on us. I hope so. I do too.
1: And then sometimes I think, oh, he would hate that I'm doing this. So I hope you guys see that. I'm <laughs> really disappointed.
0: <laughs> I, I thought about that too when my grandma first passed away. I was like, oh, she'd be so disappointed in me right now. I was like, please, <laughs> God, shelter me from this. <laughs> I know. It's funny how we
1: I know. see they
0: still live on if we're thinking like that. It's I so think true. their presence is always here.
1: Yeah. I think, though, if you are talking to someone who has just been through someone who has been lost or they're going through grief, and my grandmother said this, my grandmother, um, Grandma Barbara, she said it. She said, you know, when grief is the newest, words should be the fewest. And you just really need to come around that person and love them and say, you know, I'm here for you and I love you. One more time. I'm um, just saying, I'm here for you and I love you.
0: So fewer words. That's yeah. it. That yeah. helps With the grief. grief
1: is... The freshest word should be the fewest. And I mean, people say the most obnoxious things, and their heart is to help, I think, but they can say the most obnoxious things when your heart has literally been put through like a meat grinder and pulverized, and you just feel so raw after losing someone. And everyone processes grief differently, but I always err on the side of like super cautious, gentle, you know, the most caring place I can come from because of my experience in it. So I guess that's my best advice for helping someone else through it and through your own self. Just like, there's a lot of regret that comes with it too. You know, like I should have visited him more. I should have spent more time with him. I should have, you know, done all these things that I can't do now. And so I guess that comes with the grief is just the amount of regret and that, It's final feeling that you can't do more now and you can't fix it. But I guess the most important part is when you have relationships with people, loving them well and forgiving them. I mean, honestly, I don't think like anyone's like 100% evil. I mean, maybe there was like a few like Hitler, but... (laughs) most people deserve a second chance and need to be forgiven and shown mercy and grace especially like in your family you know there's so many estranged like parents and and its family and things like that and i think working toward reconciliation is huge because i know that my dad and i came to a point where like we both had said like i'm sorry to each other for some things that had happened when you know um my parents went through their divorce and I was, you know, angry teenager and all that stuff and I said hateful things and hurtful things I'm sure. And you know, he forgave me and he still loved me.
0: And you forgave him. And I
1: forgave him and I still loved him. And that reconciliation, I'm so glad I took those steps. Um today because I didn't know the years were short.
0: Hatred is a curved blade.
1: Mm. Yes.
0: And like you said earlier, when you have that negative energy and you it causes a disease.
1: It really does. I think forgiveness is key in everything. And just, I mean, it's not letting another other person off the hook. It's not just saying, oh, yeah, you can treat me like a doormat. That's not it at all. Forgiveness is not weak. It comes from a place of strength and saying, you know what? That was wrong, but I'm not going to hold on to it. I'm not going to carry that through life. I'm not going to let it continue to hurt me. And I think it's huge. We have to continually do that. And that's where we stay, I think, most like God. Yeah. Because he's forgiven us, right? And I think we owe that to each other too.
0: Thank you for sharing your story.
1: Of course.
0: I know it's gonna help a lot of people. I hope so. So I ask every every celebrity, every person that I interview.
1: <laughs> I know it's coming. It's coming.
0: <laughs> the audience knows. I've listened to the other podcasts. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and you know that I always say the response always shocks me. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> One day I'll talk about my version of it. Um, yes. What do you think about uh, the biblical story, Jonah and the Whale? Although different than our our, our podcast, <laughs> do you think it's possible that a man got swallowed by a whale and got spit up on dry land a few days later?
1: Absolutely. Really? So I'm I'm pretty hardcore with my beliefs, and I feel like the Bible is God's words inspired. It's, it's for us. And if I believe the hope of heaven... And the forgiveness in it, I have to believe it in its entirety. And so, yeah, it's real.
0: I love that. Tiffany, if they want to find out more information about you, where can they find you on Instagram and online?
1: They can find me at Tiffany C. Myers, and Myers is M-Y-E-R-S.
0: I love that. And by the way, Tiffany has an amazing documentary on YouTube that she discusses her uh, journey through Lyme disease. So if you want to learn more information about Tiffany or Lyme disease, or if you know somebody who's going through it, definitely Google search Tiffany Myers Lyme disease. Right? Yes. All right. Perfect. Great. Thank you. I would love to have you on again at, at another point. I just love talking to you. I- oh, <laughs> thanks,
1: Josh. I love talking to you. Sorry we all in tears. We're digging deep.
0: Dude, I was crying too. I'm, uh, yeah. like uh, So, yeah. Anyway, we're emotional. It's a Friday in Santa Barbara. And no, we're not drinking wine. We're drinking coffee. Yeah. <laughs> the ladies who lunch. I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, thanks, Tiffany. Thanks for joining us on Jonah and the Whale. Thanks so much for listening to today's conversation on Jonah and the Whale. If you'd like to hear our latest episode, please visit us at jonahandthewhale.show or subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Remember, your ratings and reviews keep our show afloat, and we would love to hear from you. Jonah and the Whale is executive produced by John Fender jason barrett and josh skinner it's edited and produced by jonas Litton. we want to hear your underwater moments so please use the hashtag #MyUnderwaterMoment. moment and thanks again for listening to today's episode of jonah and the whale